you'd like to follow the um, reading in Bibles, uh, there are some available at the pillars at the end of the, uh, the chairs. Our reading today comes from Ephesians 4, starting at, chapter, at verse 17, and can be pay, found on page 1175 in the Bibles. <clears throat> its heading is Instructions for Christian Living. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you have learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only that, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other. Just just as as in Christ forgave you. That is the word of the Lord. Not hiding. Just need a drink. <laughs> How are you all? You just and I can feel the anticipation. Oh, what's she gonna say today after that? Ephesians. What a great book. What a great letter that Paul writes to us. And a wonderful passage to have at a baptism. 
to see how we should live. See the way of living, the journey of turning away from one way of living to the way of Christ. To walking in step with Jesus and to living his way. I think it was pretty well planned actually. I don't know if it was, but it seems that way. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, and I have grappled with whether to tell this story. But So first, I'm going to ask you to think about when you're teenagers. If you are a teenager, you just have to think about it right now. That's great. Think about when you're a teenager and think about probably one of the worst stories you can about yourself as a teenager. Just have a little moment, because for some that might be easier than others. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story about when I was a teenager. Now, please remember, that was when I was a teenager. Not yesterday or last week, when I was 15 years old, okay? So I was small, a miniature Sophie. Um, And I woke up one day in a hospital, and I found my parents sitting at the end of my bed because the night before, I thought it was a really great idea with one of my closest friends to get paralytic drunk now I know what you're thinking why is she telling this story in church it's a good point and how did she get from that kind of messy teenager to wearing this delightful collar that sometimes hides under my clothes Um, and at that time I then walked past my friend who was also in a hospital bed Um, it's funny now it was definitely not funny at the time when you see your parents at the other end and now I've you know, friends with nurses and doctors, and I realise how much of a drain on the NHS it is when stupid teenagers do these kind of things. Um, and I went home walking past my friend, and it's summed up by her words, don't leave me, as I walked home with my parents. And you can imagine the scene the next morning at home in my bed. So I'd, it was kind of early in the morning when I got picked up from the hospital, sort of 2, 3 a.m., So then when I woke up in the proper morning, uh, my dad was in my room and he said, Sophie, and this bit I want you to hear, Sophie, I'm not angry with you, I'm disappointed. Ooh, that's that's hard, isn't it, when you hear that? I'm disappointed in you. This is not who you are. This is not who you are. But at the time... Though those words struck to like the very core of me and I knew he was right, at the time I felt so lost. I felt like everything around me was just really hard and everybody was trying to be somebody and everybody was trying to expect things of you and you're, you're trying to keep up with your friends and no one really knows what they're doing so I'm not sure who's leading all those situations but everybody thinks that it's a good idea to be, I'm going to call it a pickle, tempered for church (laughs) and and my identity was not rooted or grounded in anything but when my dad said that this is not who you are I knew that my identity was somewhere I just couldn't find it at that particular moment in time and so this kind of behavior went on for a couple of years um, and I was acting out a lot and it was difficult but then I found myself uh, going to church and I found myself with a group of friends who actually edified who I was. They let me be who I was without trying to be someone else. And they actually enjoyed who I was. And I could become more and more who I was meant to be in the company 
and in the community of these people who just loved each other for who they were. I wonder if there is a time in your life, perhaps when you're a teenager, perhaps now, perhaps a different time, when you have felt really lost, when you do not know which way to turn, when you're unsure of how to get to the next place because the place you are in feels dark, the place you are in feels difficult, the place you're in doesn't make sense, everyone else's lives are great and yours is tough, why? Or perhaps life is just really boring and in some way you're lost in the monotony of life, like the back and forth of the same routine. Simon told us last week that um, the, be- the beginning chapters of Ephesians are what God has done for us. It tells us who God is. It describes his grace. It describes that we are made for something more. And the second half, the, the bit that we're in now, tells us how we respond to that, how we live that out in light of what God has done. He says that we're to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Why does he say that? He says that because we now know what it means to be in relationship with Christ. To have a relationship with God, to be able to walk with him, be able to talk to him, be able to let God lead in light out of our darkness. The Ephesian church um, was, was in the middle of Ephesus, which was this amazing cultural hotspot. It had a huge theater and a huge temple. And the theater held about 50,000 people. And I asked Matt last night, where, what football stadium holds 50,000 people? Because I have no idea. And I was thinking, none, because that's a big number. And he said, the Emirates. And then he listed a whole load more. And he said, Wembley Stadium's 80,000. And, and then he listed stadium after stadium. And I thought to myself, I did not know that you knew so many <laughs> seating plans for so many stadiums. Brilliant. Um, But this theatre in Ephesus held 50,000 people. It was the place to go. And the temple also held a similar number. And the temple existed because there was a meteorite that had landed in Ephesus. And this meteorite was believed to have come from the goddess Diana. And so they would sell mini meteorites. You know, like if you go anywhere touristy, as you may be doing in this summer holiday. And you pick up the miniature version of whatever it is that you have seen. They sold the same thing. We think it's a new phenomenon. It's not. And so they would sell these mini meteorites. And because Paul had come to this place, to this place where culture was being kind of developed, it was the place to be, because Paul had come here and shared the gospel, shared the good news of who Jesus was, what Jesus had done, those little meteorites, nobody was buying them anymore because they knew They didn't have to worship a tiny piece of rock. They could worship God who had died for them, who had sent his son to die for them, who had risen again and conquered death, and the darkness was now defeated, and they could live with that. They could live that way. And so this letter that he's written, this part that we're in, the second part of chapter 4, is Paul telling them, and this is how you live. Because you can make that decision to follow Jesus but you're going to need some help. 
And this is Paul telling them, this is how I want you to live because you are made for more than worshipping a tiny little rock. There is stuff for you to do. There is a way that you will be countercultural to the things going on around you. Ephesus also had these stories that were told through the theatre, through the temple, of, of um, how people came to be, of their genealogy, 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 of how they came to be, and all their families, <laughs> and, and, and their ancestry. And there was all these stories constantly, new stories coming up. Remind you of anything? These new fads coming through all the time. And Paul says, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. And this is how you're to live. And why are you to live this way? Because the first half of chapter 4 says you're to live in community. And in that community, you're to build trust and live in unity. Common unity. Community. And if you're going to live in unity, you're going to need some tools to do that. And this is that part of the chapter. Have you ever had a really old pair of shoes? Or do you still have a really old pair of shoes that perhaps your other half wishes you would get rid of? My sister had a pair of shoes when we were small. Well, we weren't that small by the time she actually got rid of them but she her feet haven't changed size since she was about 13 and so she got to about 18 and she still had this one pair of trainers I was mortified as you can imagine I love trainers just why would you wear the same pair from when you're 13 to 18 come on styles changed anyway she loved them and she loved them because they were comfortable she'd worn them exactly into the shape of her foot and they would go everywhere with her. And they stank. Because that's the other thing about being a teenager. Your feet really smell. Who knows why. And, and they stank. And, and eventually when she hit 18, those really comfortable shoes actually began to give her blisters. Shoes go through that cycle, don't they? They go from really uncomfortable when you buy them, which is a surprise that we even buy them, all the way to the most comfortable things you'll ever wear. And then they kind of come back out the other side and you think, no, my shoes. I'll have to get a new pair and go through the trauma of the the pattern again. Or what if I could give you a pair of shoes that would always be comfortable? That would always take you to amazing places to do amazing things. These shoes would take you to those people who are struggling in life. And you would bring light into that place. These shoes would take you to where there are prisoners and you would free them. These shoes would take you to the hurting, the sick. And you would be the one to bring good news to them. To bring joy, to bring peace. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying the way that you were living in your old pair of shoes, take them off because I have a new pair for you. And this is how it looks. It looks like instead of lying, you tell the truth. Instead of thieving, you're generous. Now let's not think that's just robbers as per children's books. We thieve people's time when we're late. We, there's so many ways in which 
every single one of us here at some point takes something from someone else. We no longer thieve, but we are generous. I've forgotten the rest. Oh, I was doing good. <laughs> ah. we, don't, we don't live in anger, but we live in peace. We don't live lives of promiscuity and just going for everything that our heart desires. But we live with self-control. And we go after self-control so that we can say to God, you take me where you want me to go. And we don't gossip. Instead of pulling people apart behind their backs, we build them up in front of one another. We lift them up, we encourage them. And we do that together because that's where we grow. And when we start to live that way, the last one actually just I just realized I missed out, says we don't live in drunkenness anymore. We live with the Spirit of God who shows us how to live. And that's crucial because God's Spirit that he gave us when Christ went back to heaven is the way in which we know how to do things now. We are never without guidance from God because the Spirit lives in us. And this new way of living is important because if we don't live this way, how can we live in unity with each other? You can see the fallout of the opposite of that amazing way of living. When we gossip, stuff kind of starts to get destroyed in the background and you think, wow, that was just one thing I did and now the tumbling effect Or you get a negative mindset about a person because somebody else has told you something they've done. You don't know that for yourself. You've heard it from someone else. And yet, it starts to destroy it. It it disunifies instead of unifying. When my dad said to me, this is not who you are, I spent the next few years trying to figure out who on earth I was. I knew who I was in my family. I was the second child of four children, which is often a struggle anyway. (laughs) But I didn't know who I was in Christ. And when I found that, I found it because I found a community of people who were praising and worshipping God, who were loving God, and who knew that they were loved. And they were so secure in who they were. Not my feet, by the way. When Paul says, put on your new self, that's the moment that we can be found. Stop living how you were living and live for me. Live in this way. Live like this because it brings us together. It means that we can see the image of God played out and restored in each other. We can see more in each other than just who we're being in that moment. And my dad said, this is not who you are. A few years later, I heard my heavenly father say to me, this is not who you are. You are mine. I love you. I have made you exactly as you are for a purpose. And you're going to live out that purpose in me. And I'm going to show you how. Here's how. Stop living like that. (laughs) Live like this. 
We live differently because when we know Jesus, we can't help but live differently. That relationship that we have with God through Jesus, by his spirit, it kind of compels us to live a different way. And if you're sitting here today thinking, well, I'm not quite living like that, that's okay. You can just change how you're living. Put on your new shoes again. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to mess up. We're going to find it hard. But that's why we do it together. And we do it together because we are part of the body of Christ. On our own, we only represent the minuscule amount of God in the world. Put us together and look how much more of God you can see. We can build each other up. We can challenge each other when we're doing something that's not really who we are or not really who we're made to be. Community is the place where we can learn how to live for God in such a way that we are safe, we are loved, and we know who we're meant to be. Imagine for a minute. Might help to close your eyes. Might not. I don't know. Imagine a community of people who went all out to love others, who were known because of how much they love other people, who had no limit on how much they loved people. Imagine a community of people who showed other people who Jesus was, not just by what they said, but how they lived, how they made decisions, how they talked to people or talked about people, how they were generous with everything they had and their time. When we recognize that we, individually, when we recognize that God loves us, and then we come into a place where everybody there knows that God loves them, imagine what that would be like. The joy that would fill that place if we fully took hold of how much we are loved. And you know what the best thing about community is? If we are united in Christ, the biggest mess that we create is held by those around us as we learn to live a new way. We're not called to be perfect and turn up to church and sing all the words in the right order and pretend everything is fine. We're called to be who we are made to be by by God in this place. And sometimes that might be doing really well and knowing who you are and other times we might be hearing the voice of God say this is not who you are and when we share that bit together then we can grow if we don't share in that together we stay in one place we don't grow because God is this size our view of God is only who we are not who others are and so In this part of Ephesians, Paul is giving us a new way to live. And he's saying do it together because that's how you will be united. Before, um, when we were preparing for this service, 
there's a part in the passage that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I don't know about you, but before I really got into reading my Bible, I thought that that was just a really wise thing that my parents told me once. Um, And you'd be surprised the number of people who, before I got married, told me that as though it was their bit of advice. Never go to sleep if you've had an argument. Turns out it's from the Bible. But we, before we were preparing for this service, we felt like that was something for someone here, that there was, there was a, a kind of a tension in the family. It wasn't that there was an argument or, or anything. It was that there was some tension in your family and that there was a need and a desire to, to do that differently, to reconcile that, to, to come together and to be united once again. And so if that's you, at the end, we would love to pray with you just to to try and turn away from that way of doing things and to not let the sun go down on our anger. And the other thing that I, when I was preparing, I really felt is that for some people here, there is a, there is a real need for us to look at how we have been living and turn to live a different way. And that isn't condemnation. That isn't, whoa, look how you've been living. It's partly why I told you that story at the beginning. It's, God has something amazing for you. The woman who is brought to Jesus, caught in adultery, what does Jesus say to her when all the accusers have gone? Who is here? Who remains here to accuse you? Then nor do I accuse you. Go and leave your life of sin. There is a decision to turn away from how we've been living. And for some of us, that's really quite a key moment in our lives today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that in you we can come together, that in you we are, we are found, that with you there's a new way to live and it's made lighter by walking it with each other. Thank you that you place us in community and that your story for our lives is reconciliation. Your story for our lives is to be in relationship with you and each other aside from our brokenness and in spite of our brokenness. In your name, would you come and speak to us now, we pray. Amen.